Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshake. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 120 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Today's podcast is sponsored by Barefoot Athletics. Here's the deal. If you want to lift big weights with great technique, you need the right shoe. And for those of you out there that like to lift in a flat sole shoe like a Chuck Taylor, you need to check out the Ursus shoe by Barefoot Athletics. They have a super wide toe box that allows you to naturally splay your toes out and use your foot like it was designed. No more cramming your foot into a narrow toe box and smashing your foot into an unnatural position. If you want to enhance foot stability, your technique control, and eventually your performance, you need to check out this shoe. I've been lifting in them with most of my non-Olympic lifts for over a year now, and I absolutely love them. They're extremely comfortable, and they're not going to break your bank like a lot of other lifting shoes out there. If you go on barefootathletics.com, and that's B-E-A-R, like the animal, and use the code SQUATU, you can get up to 10% off your order. And that's for everything on their website, including the Correcto toe spacers that I also wear every day, and you can learn more about in my prior podcast, Why Your Shoes Suck with Dr. Ray McClanahan. Today's show is also sponsored by Ample. If you guys are like me, your day-to-day schedule is crazy busy, and you don't always have time to sit down and eat a good meal after your workout. I usually try to have a protein shake or chase it down with something like a quick bar, Greek yogurt, or basically anything else I can get down quickly before jumping right back into the workday. And then I find myself an hour later just starving. Ample solves this problem of not having enough time during the day to fuel your body optimally. They make a powder drink that comes in a bottle. You just add water, shake it up, and start drinking. And check this out. Each bottle is either 400 or 600 calories, including a ton of protein and loaded with good fats and carbs from high-quality foods that you can actually recognize on the ingredient list. So if you need help keeping weight on or optimally fueling your body during your busy schedule, go to amplemeal.com, and that's A-M-P-L-E, and use the code SQUATU for 15% off your order. The link will be in the show notes of this podcast along with Barefoot Athletics. So on to today's show. Now on today's podcast, I wanted to have a quick conversation with you guys, just you and me, and discuss three areas you need to be aware of when it comes to purchasing shoes. And this goes for lifting shoes or just day-to-day shoe wear. I truly believe that education is power. So I want to highlight and talk about three very important areas of shoes that we have often gotten very wrong in the past. I want to discuss how that has been and things that you need to think about when purchasing your next pair. The thing you need to realize is that many of the shoes we wear today are absolutely horrible for our feet. You see, as we age, many of us in industrialized countries begin to wear shoes that unknowingly transform our foot and progressively alter it into this unnatural shape. The unfortunate thing is that most people have no idea their shoes are actively deforming their feet. The way modern footwear is designed, cram the toes of the foot together while elevating the toes and the heels from the ground. Slowly over time, the foot begins to adapt to this shoe shape without you even realizing it. This happens in almost every popular shoe brand in the world. I'm talking Nike, Adidas, New Balance, Asics, Skechers, Almost every major brand does this to your feet. Now, decades ago, a podiatrist by the name of William Rossi 
started to write on the harmful effects of modern shoe design on the structure and the function of the foot. His monumental article, Why Your Shoes Make Normal Gait Impossible, outlined the problems associated with many shoes that we wear. And I would highly suggest reading this article if you have time. I will link it in the show notes before. But basically, of the many variables that he wrote about that modify your foot structure and function, three of the most problematic that we're going to talk about today are a tapering toe box, toe spring, and an elevated heel. So let's start off with toe box. If you were to look closely at the wide ranges of shoes produced today, from like the smallest shoes made for babies to full-size adults, okay, grown-up shoes, you would likely notice an interesting conundrum. Most baby shoes are shaped like baby feet. They're actually super wide at the ends of the toes. Interestingly, um, my niece is just turning one years old, and my wife and I were recently going and trying to find some shoes for her. And it's really funny because when you do go through many of the different racks for shoes, if you look at a baby's shoe, they're often extremely wide at the toe box. Yet, if you go over to the next shelf for kids around the age of three to four or so, they automatically start changing in shape all of a sudden they become extremely slender and narrow. They don't look like a foot. They don't look like the way a baby's shoe is, which is widest at the toes. Now the toe box describes the front section of the shoe that encapsulates the toes, pretty simple. The shoes many of us wear today are way too narrow in this area. Now, this isn't only a criticism of dress shoes, but of almost all shoes manufactured today from casual to athletic wear. And if you don't believe me, take a look at your shoes right now. There's a good chance, if not all the shoes you have, come to a point. This design feature has absolutely nothing to do with helping your foot function optimally, but rather has everything to do with the fashion standards we unknowingly adhere to. You see, when you're born, your toes are the widest part of your entire foot. That's what a natural foot looks like. And actually, if you go to a lot of um, places around the world where people maybe have lived in tribes that don't wear sort of modern footwear, their feet still look like that. They're super wide at the ends of their toes. But when it comes to athletic footwear, Especially, many of us have been taught to find shoes that have a snug fit based on the idea that your foot needs this more support. However, when it comes to the toe specifically, this couldn't be further from the truth. Now, I understand the idea and the need for a snug shoe when it comes to maybe the midfoot or the heel. Clearly, you don't want to be doing uh, a snatch or a clean and your foot's rolling around within a very, very um, soft shoe. You don't want to be running a 100-meter dash or you know, playing soccer <clears throat> in a moccasin that's extremely loose. So clearly we need support or it needs to be snug in certain areas if you're going to wear a shoe. But where the toe box is, we do not want that to be snug and to smash our toes together. A narrow fitting toe box hinders the natural and desirable expansion of the foot that's called toe splay. And this needs to happen when weight-bearing, without toe splay, without your toes being able to spread out, the foot cannot function naturally within the shoe and provide optimal stability for the rest of the body. This constriction leads to movement compensations with walking, running, 
in lifting tasks like squatting or deadlifting. One of the biggest issues uh, we often see within those in the lifting community is what? It's knee valgus, knee collapse. Well, most of the time when someone sees knee collapse during a squat, what do we say? Knees wide or, you know, you've got some weak hips. Maybe it's a glute medius weakness. We often think up the chain. We look at the knees, we look up the chain, and we don't often think about the feet. We just assume that because that person is wearing a $200 pair of shoes, it can't be the feet. It can't be the shoes. Yet often these narrow, narrow shoes are actually a huge source of the problem. Um, I've got a video on YouTube, many of you guys need to go check out, talking about my favorite new shoes for squatting, and they are also one of the sponsors of the, sh of the show, which is Barefoot Athletics, and it's for a good reason. It's because they have a super wide toe box, like I talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, but in that, I show a visual of a Converse Chuck Taylor. Now, most people who are in the powerlifting community will think, well, Chuck Taylor, it's, it's one of the best shoes. It's completely flat. It's a great shoe for powerlifting. Needless to say, there's been a ton of huge lifts performed in them. But what most people don't know is that the majority of Chucks produced are way too narrow. And if you take the shoe liner out of the Chuck Taylor and you stand on top of it, you'll be able to see just how narrow they are and what that actually does to your foot. So in this video, what I did was I was able to place the person's foot on top of the Chuck Taylor insole and put their toes within the liner, meaning that it is the shape that the foot has to take when in the shoe. And it's so easy for the foot to just collapse over into excessive pronation. Yet if the toes are able to spread out like they should be in a good pair of shoes, just that has a wide enough toe box, instantly that foot cannot excessively pronate over anymore. It'll pronate a little bit because pronation is a normal motion, but it won't pronate over excessively because what happens is that excessive pronation leads the knee to be much more unstable. So a number of people who are dealing with problems in say knee cave or hip shifts, things like that, that are stemming all the way from the foot do so because of the big toes position. When the big toe is smashed in towards the rest of the foot, because of a narrow toe box, the foot is unable to remain stable, leading to excessive pronation, leading to problems up the chain. So it all comes back to where that big toe is positioned. So if you're wearing a pair of Nike weightlifting shoes, Adidas weightlifting shoes, really almost every weightlifting shoe on the market right now, your shoes are technically too narrow. Now, I'm convinced that one day this will change and there will be a wide enough weightlifting shoe. But in the meantime, every weightlifting shoe out there on the market has a too narrow of a toe box. And this is one of the reasons why knee cave or just knee, un knee instability is one of the biggest issues that we see within weightlifters and crossfitters. You know, the heel obviously is needed for Olympic weightlifting. But that narrow toe box is only a fashion forward design. It has nothing to do with helping your foot and the rest of your body function as optimally as possible. So we'll talk about the heel a little bit later, but that's, that's at least the idea behind understanding toe box. You need to find a shoe, if you're serious about your foot functioning and the rest of your body moving as well as possible, that allows your toes to spread out. Now, a narrow toe box also increases the risk of developing painful deformities, or non-painful for some people, but a foot deformity nonetheless, like a bunion. So if you look down at your feet, your big toe should ideally be in line 
with your first metatarsal bone, which is the long bone just to the inside part of your arch of your foot. A bunion, it appears to be from the outside to be this excessive bone growth on the inside base of the toe, but it's technically an adaptive dislocation of that joint. It is not hereditary, like some people believe. I get all these people all the time, they're like, oh yeah, I've got bunions, my mom had bunions, and my grandma had bunions. Uh, no, it's not a hereditary link that is you know, given down to you by your parents. It's because you're all wearing too narrow of shoes. Uh, now, some people will still wear extremely narrow shoes and never develop bunions, but I think that more so has to do with uh, their soft tissue pliability and their joint laxity to where their their joints can basically be smashed into a bad position and then they just sort of spring back. Uh, they don't necessarily adapt to having that extremely problematic shape. But for a lot of people, and this is including myself, I've been wearing narrow shoes and in weightlifting shoes. You know, I got my first pair of weightlifting shoes back in, I think it was 2000 when I was in ninth grade. And um, yeah, I definitely developed bunions on both my feet. The shoes are way too narrow. So this is definitely something that happens long-term to wearing shoes that are way too narrow in the toe box. So now that we have that discussion underhand, let's go to the next area of shoes, which is toe spring. If you look closely at many of the shoes that you wear, especially those designed for athletics and running, the front tip of the shoe will often be elevated off the ground a few degrees. This feature is called toe spring and it was originally built into thick and inflexible shoes as a way to help roll the foot forward while walking. Think about it like having a bottom of your shoe be like a, a rocking chair. It's just gonna like roll your foot forward. Now, most people will say, well, why is this even a problem? Well, Dr. William Rossi simply explained that toe spring forces the toes of your foot out of business. You see, your foot was designed to have all of your toes completely flat on the ground when weight-bearing. This allows the toes to grasp the ground and provide stability for the entire foot and therefore the rest of the body. Because 18 of the 19 uh, tendons of the foot attach to the, the tips of your toes, basically, allowing them to remain flat essentially anchors your entire foot to the ground and enhances stability. This is one reason why toe spring on a shoe designed for lifting makes zero functional sense. It is not allowing 18 of your 19 tendons that attach to your toes to work as they were designed. So if you're uh, looking, if you're an Olympic weightlifter, first off, look at the shoe that you're wearing. Now, I will say the Nike Romello 2 was completely flat. Um, I've had, I don't know how many pairs of weightlifting shoes in the past. There are a few, if you just put them flat on the ground, you'll see the tip of it is off the ground. That is not optimal for a weightlifting shoe. Um, it's definitely not optimal for any type of shoe, but specifically, obviously most of the people listening to this are interested in lifting mechanics. So if you're finding a shoe that you're wearing for weightlifting, for squatting, for deadlifting, and it has toe spring, that is not a good idea. You would be much better off just going barefoot, really. When it comes to walking and running, however, let's talk about this. Your toes were still meant to grasp the ground as the rest of the foot then bends over the ball of the foot. This is basically what happens to move the foot from a stable structure into a flexible complex in order to propel the body forward. Wearing a stiff and inflexible shoe is like basically walking around in snowshoes. Your foot is just unable to move and bend naturally. And this is 
a lot of shoes on the market. They're just naturally extremely stiff. So rather than clomp around all day like you're going up a hike you know, on a snowside mountain, shoe manufacturers added in toe spring. They added in this sort of uh, bend-like structure to the front of the shoe to basically ease the comfort of walking, and it artificially allows your body to move with greater ease. Unfortunately, when you unnaturally elevate your toes from the ground, they will no longer function as they were designed. And over time, this limits stimulation to the smaller muscles within the foot that control the toes and can lead to weakness and atrophy of those muscles. Toe spring also creates an imbalance between the muscles and tendons that run on the top and bottom of the foot. By artificially elevating the toes from the ground uh, day after day, month after month, year after year, the tendons on the top of the foot are constantly held in a shortened position while the muscles on the bottom are sort of held in a lengthened position. And over time, this imbalance increases risks of foot deformities and injuries called hammer toes. So that's another possible patho pathological problem that can come just from the shoes that you can wear. Now, uh, personal experience this morning, I was over at my parents' house having breakfast and my mom pulled out a new pair of shoes that she got. Um, she does a lot of long distance speed walking um, and they were a pair of Hoka's. I'm sure some of you guys have heard of these before. Um, I picked them up and I was just moving them around. They didn't move. Basically, they were the most stiff shoe I have almost ever held. These things were hard as a rock. And I'm talking, I was trying to twist them laterally, bend them up and down. They didn't move. They're basically a dress shoe that looks as masquerading as an athletic shoe. Now, the interesting thing is they have to sort of have this big sort of long curve, especially to the front, or else you wouldn't even be able to move in them. They would li literally be like clomping around in a pair of snowshoes. So toe spring is a way in which, like I mentioned, Shoe manufacturers, they create these completely rock-hard, stiff shoes. The only way to even look like you're walking or running naturally in them is they have to create this rocker bottom for you. So while it may appear that these are good shoes, they're not. Your foot's not functioning at all within it. Over time, your foot is just going along for the ride. The muscles are going to get stiff. You're going to create these imbalances within your foot. You need to find a shoe that does less for your foot. Your foot is designed to be moving within the shoe. So you don't want, while you're walking and running, a shoe that's extremely stiff like that. So basically, I told my mom, go bring these things back. Go find a different pair. She had a pair of Ultras. I know some of you guys that are into walking and running uh, long distances, Ultras are a great pair for a lot of people. They're uh, much wider, and you can actually roll them up. Uh, so they have a lot of flexibility to them as well, which is what the foot needs specifically for that task throughout the day. Um, let's get on to now our last factor of the day, which is the elevated heel. Now, when most in the strength world think about an elevated heel, they instantly envision the classic weightlifting shoe. This style of shoe was developed for the sport of Olympic weightlifting to help athletes achieve a more biomechanically efficient position when performing the snatch in the clean lifts. By elevating the heel from the ground a few centimeters, the lifter is able to basically squat to a greater and greater depth with a more upright trunk, thus allowing for bigger lifts with greater efficiency. Basically, the deeper you can get under the barbell, the more weight that can be lifted. Now, 
While this sport-specific shoe modification is helpful when performing Olympic lifts and also squats, so if you're out there and you're like, well, I don't do the Olympic lifts, but I love to front squat or high bar back squat with the pair of weightlifting shoes because they help me hit depth. There's nothing wrong with that. I love weightlifting shoes. The long-term use of a heeled shoe in other lifts and throughout your day, which is the most important part, throughout my day, all my CrossFitters and weightlifters, outside of the gym, may have negative consequences. The most detrimental effect of chronic heel elevation is adaptive shortening of the Achilles tendon in the calf muscles. You see, your muscles and tendons are highly malleable and can adapt positively or negatively to forces placed on them over time. For example, in 2010, a group of researchers found that women who wore heeled shoes, dress shoes, at least five days a week had significantly shorter calf muscle fibers compared to those who commonly wore flat sole shoes. When the heel is constantly elevated throughout the day, the calf muscles are forced to always function in a shortened position. Over time, the body negatively adapts by reducing the flexibility of the calf muscles and therefore decreasing the ankle's available range of motion. Simply put, if you never use it, you lose it. You need to be able to use your full range of motion with your calf muscles. Now, many of you may be listening to this and thinking, but I don't wear high-heeled shoes, Aaron. I only wear my weightlifting shoes for like an hour at the gym, and then I go home. I Literally, I'm not wearing stilettos throughout the day. Uh, this can't be a problem my face. But what many of you guys fail to realize is that heel elevation is not something just found in weightlifting shoes in high heel dress shoes. In fact, a large majority of shoes produced today have a small cushioned heel built directly into the bottom. Shoe companies don't say, well, this is a high heel shoe. They describe this amount of heel lift in the shoe as a heel to toe drop, which is basically the difference between the heel and the forefoot. Now, the amount of heel drop could obviously vary. Many of the running shoes and training shoes from like Nike, New Balance, and Brooks are usually on the higher end for an athletic shoe. They have a heel drop of 10 to 12 millimeters. For comparison purposes, a heel lift for a weightlifting shoe is usually about 20 millimeters, whereas a heel lift for, let's say, a, a Nike Metcon or the uh, Reebok Nano, so two of the most common CrossFit type shoes, those are usually about three to four millimeters. So again, still a little bit of a heel, but again, most of the running type shoes that you'll see out there, training shoes, are gonna be a little bit higher. Minimalist is usually four and under, and then anything above that, it can get up to 10, 12, 14 millimeters in some shoes. Even though the lower heel height of these running shoes isn't nearly as intense as walking around in a pair of stilettos or weightlifting shoes all day, your calf muscles and tendons are still being held in a shortened position. Routinely wearing shoes with a heel height of any height day in and day out leads to eventual adaptive tightening of these tissues and restrictions in optimal ankle mobility. This is one of the big reasons why ankle mobility limitations are so common. Many fail to find long-term progress in improving mobility in this area despite their best efforts. They stretch, they mobilize, and yet they never see long-term significant changes because the body's being put right back into a shortened position the moment they leave the gym and go back to wearing their normal heeled shoes. While a heel shoe is obviously going to be necessary for certain sports like Olympic weightlifting and desirable by many who are getting dressed up on occasion for like a fancy dinner or going out 
the only way to regain flexibility of the calf muscles and return your body to its prior natural function is to habitually wear a shoe without any heel elevation. So I'm definitely not saying don't ever wear a heeled shoe. First off, it's necessary for weightlifting. Again, guys, I've been in Olympic weightlifting since 2005 I started competing. I got my first pair of weightlifting shoes when I was in high school still before that. A weightlifting shoe is necessary if you're going to be doing cleans and snatches. Obviously, I love warming up still barefoot for like a set or two because I think it allows you to really feel for the ground, your balance point, things like that. But you need to be able to have a weightlifting shoe if you're going to do cleans and snatches. It's a necessary tool for that sport. Also, there's not a problem with going out and getting dressed up and wearing a pair of high heels. For everyone out there, all my ladies that like to wear high heels, there's not a problem with that at all. But it's the idea of understanding how often we're in shoes like that. Are you wearing high heels every single day during the week to your job? And then going and pairing wearing a pair of weightlifting shoes in the gym? Or are you maybe an Olympic weightlifter or CrossFitter and you wear a pair of weightlifting shoes? You know, let's say you work out five days a week or six days a week. And then the other hours of the day, you're in a Brooks or a Nike weightlifting shoe or a running shoe that's got an 8 to 10 millimeter heel drop. Throughout the day, if your foot's never in a zero drop area where you're either barefoot or barefoot-esque wearing a natural shoe, the body can adapt negatively. And that's the big issue long term. If, if you're really trying to optimize everything, you really want to be sure that throughout the day, outside of your gym, you're wearing a shoe that allows your body to function naturally. So to wrap things up, here's my final thoughts, guys. Despite the millions of dollars spent in research and design of shoes today, the large majority of these shoes produced are surprisingly not meant to fit a natural foot, but rather to fit your foot to what these companies deem as normal. It's not about what helps your foot, but rather what looks good and what will sell. The amount of times I've had someone say, no one will buy a shoe that looks like a clown foot. It's way too wide. That looks ridiculous. That's what a natural foot should look like. Now there's, or a natural shoe should look like. There's a lot of great designers nowadays that are making great looking shoes. You know, Vivo Barefoot Zero, Barefoot Athletics, Lems. There's new shoes coming out to market every single day that allow your foot to function as it was designed. I've talked to designers that have quit Nike because they found out just how bad the shoes that they were designing for athletes were. It's about what can sell, and people don't think the consumer wants a wide toe box shoe. When I know better is that education is power. And the more the consumer understands about the product and what it does or does not do to the body, we're going to demand greater things. We're going to demand shoes that are better for our feet, better for our body. It's not about, again, what helps your foot, but rather what looks good and what will sell. That's what these companies are thinking. Things will change. By favoring fashion over function, we've been led down this path of numerous negative consequences for the foot and the rest of the body. And by understanding these things and, and understanding the specific factors that lead to these problems, you can be empowered to understand and make better choices down the road when it comes to what shoes you want to buy and what shoes you want to wear throughout your day. Again, 
education is power. So that is it for the podcast, guys. Quick and dirty to the point, three specific areas of the shoe that I hopefully now you know a little bit better about um, exactly what they're designed for, where the flaws have been in the past, what they those flaws can do to you, and really where you can go in the future for making better purchasing um, decisions. So that is it for today's show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you out there that would like to support the show and all the content that I make for Squat University, head on over to patreon.com slash squat university. You see, guys, while my day job as a doctor of physical therapy does help support some of the operational costs of creating content for Squat U, I would love to continue growing the brand so I can make better and better content for you guys every single day. This is why I created a Patreon page that has different opportunities for you to support the show and even have access to a live Q&A meeting with me once a month. So if you don't have any extra funds right now, guys, really do not worry about it at all. My content will always remain free to you to help you decrease pain, move better, and optimize your performance in the gym. But if you would like to support my show, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Just head on over to patreon.com slash university. Again, thank you guys so much for checking out today's show. Until next time, guys, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.